I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ruler Magazine Tech Podcast. I am your host, Dan Cavallari. I am joining you all the way from Colorado here in the United States. As usual, I'm in my garage, and uh, you know, this this year I was fortunate to finally go back to the Tour de France after two years of of waiting uh, due to COVID and canceling plans. I got to go to Copenhagen and and be at the Tour again, and it was a wonderful time. Uh, it's it was as chaotic and stressful and, and awful as usual, and also as wonderful and uh, inspiring as always. Um, and one of the the best things for me going to the tour is always seeing the new gear and bikes and things like that. And this year I, I happened to stumble across, uh, the, the team paddocks before stage one and, uh, and out doing a test ride or a prep ride, I should say was uh, Tom Scoinch from Te- Trek Segafredo. And he was on his new Trek Madone. And it was my first opportunity to get a close up look of this Trek Madone. And if you haven't seen it, go ahead and Google it. It's, it's quite a looker. It's, it's, it's got a very unique shape. There's a weird little cutout in the seat tube. I mean, it's just, it, there's all sorts of weird stuff going on. So I wanted to talk to somebody on the design uh, side of, of this bike to, to find out, first of all, why such a dramatic uh, tube shaping uh, in, in, in the new bike as compared to previous Madones, uh, and also what other smaller details uh, were hiding, because everybody wants to look at the weird cutout, but there's other things going on with the bike as well. And I also wanted to know a little bit about the design process of this bike. So fortunately for me, uh, I know some folks at Trek and they were willing to come chat today. And today on the line, I have two Johns. So this is going to be a little confusing. I have John Davis, who's the lead aerodynamicist for the Trek Performance Research, which is uh, on-site at Trek and uh, you know basically works with, with the development of, of everything aerodynamic and compliance and all of those things. And then I also have John Russell, who's the senior industrial designer on the road team. Uh, and in his words, he works with engineers to create the product. So <laughs> John and John, hello. How are you? Hello. I'm doing great. I'm John. <laughs> I'm also John. So John and John, I'm going uh, to say John D and John R. How's that? This is like getting us back into fifth grade. Uh, all right. Uh, so, um, so guys, we're going to start uh, sort of you know, basic here. Tell me, first of all, John Davis, tell me a little bit about what Trek performance research is uh, and what that encompasses at Trek, because this is, this is a key component of, of the development of the new, the new, new Madone, excuse me. Yeah, Trek performance research, um, we're an internal group um, and we interface with all the different design teams at Trek. So 
we'll work with the road team like we did for the Madone, um, but we'll also work with other teams like the mountain bike team, the city team, and uh, we'll provide analyses and design recommendations based on uh, aerodynamics, um, r- ride quality. Um, we've got structural analysts, so we'll help reduce weight and, and increase stiffness, things like that. Um, we've got biomechanics uh, people on board to help with the human component. Um, and uh, yeah, so we've got um, some labs that we use um, in our headquarters here in Waterloo, and uh, I focus on the aerodynamics uh, but we've got uh, a number of different people for the other disciplines mm-hmm. too. Now, John Russell, uh, what is your uh, involvement with the with the performance research team? I mean, do you are you actively involved with that, or is your job completely separate as a as an industrial designer? We definitely work together all the time, especially in early R and D work. As we move towards production, it it does become more just the engineer and I kind of pushing things to that next level. Um, but yeah, early in R and D everything's up in the air. We're exploring all sorts of different ideas and we're taking data from John Davis and our um, structural analysts and our engineers and our ride testers and all that. And we're kind of compiling that all into like one package or actually several, several packages that we're kind of iterating through. And um, it's, I kind of, in that context, I will own a lot of like the exterior surfacing with the engineer to I guess make the 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 final thing and fi- all the different iterations. So, mm-hmm. actually create the physical product. Um, John Davis, talk a little bit about what physically the the Trek Performance Research facilities look like. Like I've you know I've been to Madison quite a few times, and the last time I was there, you had this massive apparatus for testing compliance. Uh, it's this massive treadmill, basically. Talk a little bit about that, and also the other uh, uh, physical. Uh, things that you have on site to help you develop the things that you need to develop. Yeah. So the, the centerpiece of our Trek performance research lab is that big treadmill that you're talking about. Um, and for that, I, I can't remember exactly when we, when we built that, but, um, uh, we had a treadmill company Woodway, uh, help build a, a big giant custom treadmill that you could bike on. Um, they, they make running treadmills, but, uh, just picture a, a treadmill, but sized up with a big, um, uh, structure on top that houses a, a like a safety harness that hangs from the ceiling, so that uh, if you have any accidents on the treadmill, you'll be safely lifted up. Uh, and the surface of the treadmill is uh, made of slats that we can change in and out, and we can 3D print or uh, create however we want different surfaces uh, that will. Uh, screw in and out uh, and, and replace different slats so we can put in a one single bump to simulate if you're just going over a, a speed bump or like a pothole or something like that. Or we can put in a lot of smaller slats uh, that have little roughness to um, simulate like a, a rough asphalt road or cobblestones, things like that. Um, and we can pair that with uh, our ride testing and, and rider feedback. So just get subjective feedback about what it feels like to be on these different surfaces, but I think where uh, it really shines is we can extract real data from the treadmill without all the uh, noise of outdoor riding. Um, I mean, data noise, not physical uh, audio noise, but uh, we can put sensors on the bike and uh, see what the vi- where the vibrations are, how big the vibrations are. Are they um, on the handlebars where you're feeling it on your hands uh, or on, on the saddle? Um, and we have a high-speed camera 
that we can also look at the side view of the rider and the bike going over all these these bumps and we can put little um, stickers that the camera will fixate to so we can um, have different reference points so we can see you can make the uh, the image look like the bike is kind of jiggling around the rider um, and see exactly where on the bike um, is are things flexing um, or you can uh, have the the bike stay uh, constant and see where on uh, where on the rider are, are you seeing flex or vibration um, and discomfort and so we can use that data to um, really study the rider comfort and uh, compliance on the frame and get a, a really dialed bike for um, all sorts of riders, uh, city riders up to the pros. Mm -hmm. So for those of you listening, if, you, if you're having trouble look, see, feeling what this would look like, um, it's basically a massive treadmill with a cage over it uh, that the rider essentially is like hooked into a harness uh, in case you fall. And I remember seeing a photo when this first launched uh, and you guys started using this. I saw a photo. I think it was, I think it was Jordan Rossing or, or Anders Alberg. They went to, um, they went to uh, the uh, the Roubaix course, uh, the Arnberg Forest, and they actually poured a mold on those cobbles to create some of the textures for that treadmill. Um, so pretty, pretty unique uh, and pretty neat way of testing these things. Now, um, I'm curious. You know, when you when you start developing a bike, you know, obviously there's a lot of CFD and there's a lot of um, steps before a physical product is available for you to even put on this treadmill. Um, and so with the Madone specifically, you know, this is a, a, what the, the seventh iteration of a Madone, I think. Um, and so you've had the basic general shape of a Madone for several years now. And this one looks similar in a lot of ways, but there seem to be two more, two distinct goals with this new one to improve aerodynamics and to, and to change the way you implement comfort into the frame. Um, can you talk a little bit about what, what the comfort features were before on the previous Madone and why it seemed like you needed to rethink that? Yeah. In the previous generations of Madone, uh, we had our ISO speed decoupler, um, and that's a physical, uh, you can think about it as a suspension uh, type system where you have a, um, a tube going into another tube uh, and they rotate about a pivot and some of that uh, movement of the, the tube and tube movement is soaking up the, the road noise that, and the road chatter that you're feeling. And it's really effective. I, I ride the, the Gen 6 Madone um, and we also have it on our Domani. Uh, so our Domani is our endurance bike um, and you'll see our team using the Domani for cobblestone stages and, and uh, one-day races. Um, and so that was the, the previous generation, and it, it really worked great. But um, the one downside is that it adds complexity and it adds weight. Um, and with this new Madone, we really we were trying to focus on, on three things, and two of them you know, every you're, you're, we're always focusing on for our race bike, and that's aero and, and weight. So we wanted to bring those down um, and then... Since the Madone uh, has that comfort feature, we wanted to maintain uh, a comfort uh, level on the bike um, for both, you know, riders like me going around trying to uh, ride the bike for as long as my back can tolerate and, and get any KOMs I can, um, but also for our, our pro team who are doing pretty grueling stage uh, long uh, Grand Tour races. Um, so we wanted to have a, a, a way to simplify the design, but also hit all three of those uh, touch points, comfort, weight, and, and arrow. And so that's kind of where this 
wacky looking design mm -hmm. came from. Yeah, and, and I think you know we, we've kind of be, been trained as consumers to understand that aero bikes tend to be uncomfortable, right? So you have to figure out ways to, to add compliance. And the Madone's previous compliance system, the ISO speed decouplers, was was pretty revolutionary when it came out, but you know, it was heavy, right? So tell me a little bit about the process of developing the new the new Madone. Um, when did that process start in relation to when the Madone 6 was released, which was the previous version? And and at what point did it become clear that a new compliance feature was was the best path, path forward? Well, I can answer some of that. Um, the So I actually did the original sketch for the ISO Flow back when the 2019 Madone was in tooling. So several years before we came out with this new one, and actually a few years before we even got into the R&D phase of this new bike. Um, then it was really just kind of like a wacky, crazy thing. Like, what if we did it this way, you know? Like just thinking outside the box and it was definitely non-UCI legal at that time. It was just like kind of crazy. Uh, UCI rules have changed. We've really dived into how everything can be done and like, where can we like, you know, technically it's not bending the rules, but it's like really flirting with that line. Um, but we, we knew this concept was kind of interesting. And when we went into the R and D phase for this project, which was probably two years ago, a little over two years ago, we, this was one of the iterations we explored. And, you know, we were also exploring drop stays, something looked more like an Amanda, um, something looked like the 2019 Madone, obviously. And, um, and this thing, and yeah, when you looked at it from a weight arrow and compliance standpoint, which are the three things we're really looking for, um, it just kind of shocked us how good it was in all of those categories. It wasn't necessarily the best in each category. Like one of the Madone concepts we came up with was a drop stay and it was a little bit faster, but you know, you think about the strengths of that and then the weaknesses and it just, it, it's weaknesses were too strong. So this isoflow really was kind of a nice balance of everything we were targeting. Mm -hmm. What do, you, what do you mean by weaknesses? What were some of the weaknesses of the drop seat stays? This is something we've known for a long time, and it's just that drop seat stays aren't a great load path, structurally speaking. And so um, to you have to reinforce drop stays with extra material in order to make it pass our stiffness tests, and that makes it heavier. And then really the main problem with it is just that it's incredibly rigid. It's... Um, you're trying to get any kind of flex out of a, like a, a tube that doesn't want to flex in that direction. And so it's, it's heavy and it's not compliant. Gotcha. Okay. So, so while it may be, it may be, it may offer some of the benefits you were looking for, the, the negatives were just too much. So it seemed like a new, um, a new design was in order. And I want to go back to one of the things you did mention, which was that you were confined by UCI regulations can you talk just really quickly quickly about what changed and when that allowed you to use this new radical design? Yeah, so I mean, I, the other John could probably talk about, this, talk about this too. It's just um, with the latest updates to the UCI ruling, I don't remember the specific dates for that, but there's these compensation zones that we can play with. It's like a, basically creates like a um, triangle, triangle between the different boxes that's uh, like 80 millimeters from the intersection of where those boxes are. And you're allowed to bring in tubes and blends into those zones. So we used that. And then we also learned about uh, this new, I don't know if it's actually a new rule, but it's a straight line rule, 
where you have to draw a line from the bottom bracket all the way through the frame, all the, the seat tube, and it has to intersect the top of the top tube. It's kind of complicated, but that's really the the key to what made our isoflow work. I think if, um, st strictly speaking, I think the seat stays become basically a split seat tube in that section, like from a, how we would define it. And then that joins back up with the top tube. So even though it looks like just the seat stays go through to the top tube, it's really a drop seat stay bike almost that then turns into a split seat tube where it connects to the top tube. Gotcha. Gotcha. We're going to, we're going to talk a little bit more about the ISO flow in just a minute, but, and also, you know, some of the other uh, aerodynamic things that are going on in the bike, specifically the cockpit and some of the tube shaping. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back with John and John from Trek. Hello, I've just popped on to say if you're enjoying this Ruler Tech podcast, you can also check out the Ruler Conversations podcast with me, Ian Parkinson, every other week. More importantly, go and subscribe to the magazine for the best in independent cycling journalism, columns from Orla Shenoy and Ned Bolting, brilliant photographs and innovative design. Go to ruler.cc to take out a subscription now. Back to Dan. We are back with the Ruler Magazine Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cavallari, and I'm still here in Colorado. I am still in my garage, and I'm still looking at all my bikes, as I tend to do. Uh, now, I've been riding bikes for a very long time. I've seen every design out there. I've ridden them all. And the new Madone is something unique, uh, largely due to the very eye-catching uh, IsoFlow, uh, which is this uh, crazy little tube shape that's uh, situated at the junction of the uh, chain stay, or excuse me, the seat stays and the seat tube. And when it came out, we all looked at it and said, that's got to be the new comfort uh feature to to allow some 4F flex so it's nice and comfortable as you're riding this this aero bike. What other uh, advantages, John and John, from Trek? I, I actually called Trek and I said, give me all of your Johns, and they sent both Johns. <laughs> um, John and John, uh, tell me, what other advantages do you get from uh, the IsoFlow? It seems like it's also an aerodynamic feature. Tell me a little bit about that development. Yes, uh, the aerodynamics, uh, I, well, I remember when John... Russell first showed me the design and, and this was one of the first uh, design studies we did um, and we were the first thing we did was look at the aerodynamics and, and we looked at that in, in computational fluid dynamics or CFD which is a computer simulation of the airflow uh, going over the bike and we include the rider in that as well and I was hopeful that it would work well because uh, I had been uh, showing a lot of flow visualizations from our development for uh, Speed Concept and Amanda that I had worked on previously, uh, showing when you put the rider on the bike, uh, you get these counter-rotating vortices, um, and you can. There's a lot of really dense academic papers you can look up, uh, but I have some visualizations of this on uh, our Trek blog. Uh, I think if you just search Trek blog Madone or something, it would come up. Uh, and you get these two vort vortices uh, that come off the hips and the, the legs of the rider. And it causes a really low energy zone right be below and behind the rider. And that is where a lot of the drag is coming from. And most of the drag on a bike and rider is coming from the rider. The rider is not very aerodynamic, and there's not much we can do about that. But if we can try to shape the bike to energize some of the low-energy region behind the rider, that will actually help to reduce the drag on the rider and the whole system. And so 
I was hopeful about this ISO, ISO flow system because it seemed like a way to open up um, the bike right in front of that or as close as we can uh, to that low energy area that we want to inject high energy airflow into. And so that's kind of what we saw in our first iteration. And um, like John said, the it was uh, just a little bit less uh, aerodynamic than drop stays at that point. We um, kind of uh, we did a lot of optimization after the fact and got it pretty. I'd say it's pretty much drag neutral with a, a traditional drop stay design. Um, all things equal on the on the Madone. Um, but we were able to energize that flow, and, and we can see in the CFD, you can uh, see what the uh, computer simulation thinks the, the drag on the rider is and what the drag on the bike is and that whole total. And so you can see that the, the drag on the bike stays roughly the same, but the drag on the rider is going down um, because of that uh, the air, the fast-moving air that goes through that ISO flow system and energizes the low-energy drag-producing area behind the rider. Mm-hmm. So contrary to what I've been told forever, my beer belly is actually not aerodynamic. I, I do have it on my list of things that I want to do is to simulate things like, yeah, a beer belly. Because I, I could I, I could imagine in a certain scenario, if you're oriented a certain way, maybe that would be more aerodynamic. I, I'd like yeah. it to be. but I'm just going, I'm going with pure inertia. Here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now the, the Madone has long been a, an aerodynamic an aero bike, basically. It wasn't always. I mean, you know, or if you go back far enough, it, it looked a lot more like a traditional road bike. But over the years, it's developed into Trek's aero road bicycle. Talk about the gains you made with the new design. Uh, and, and not just with the ISO flow, which is what everybody's eyes are immediately attracted to. The other tube shapes are also different this year. Um, what? How, many, how much gain are we talking here? What did you do to the other tube shapes aside from uh, the, the ISO flow section of the frame. Yeah. If we didn't have ISO flow, I think we'd be talking about a lot more of these other things that we did. Cause we put on a lot of work all around the bike. Um, so the, the gain that we're quoting for the bike alone, uh, and there's a rider position change on the bar, which we can get into later maybe, but just the bike alone is about nine and a half Watts at 45 kilometers per hour. Um, and that is due partly in it's due in part to the isoflow um but also we've updated the tube shapes all across the bike so we've uh, come out with our next generation of camtail shapes we we came out with the camtail shape a long time ago um and it was uh, pretty revolutionary at the time but uh it was based on a pretty simple sketch that we had locked away in our vault in in our cad system and um it was pretty rigid that that sketch and so i freed up the the sketch to be able to um accommodate a lot of wild shapes that um we hadn't studied before and then hooked that up to our optimizing tool called heeds where we can for any shape, we can uh, have the computer push and pull on the shape, and then it will uh, measure the aerodynamics and CFD, measure the structural efficiency in FEA, spit out those numbers, go on to the next shape, push and pull that next shape, spit out those numbers, and it does that for thousands of designs. Um, and we kind of got a, a, a new generation of camtail shapes uh, optimized for anywhere from an Amanda-type um lightweight bike to a more Madone aerodynamic bike. And then we can slot in those cross sections where we like on the, on the new Madone. So they're all over the new Madone. Um, that, that, uh, accounts for some of the weight reduction and the, the arrow gains, um, about a 300 gram weight reduction for the, the frame, the frame set, um, and the bar. 
and then they're also on the we have a, a custom optimization for that bar um, the handlebar is another big part of the aerodynamics uh, the, the tops section is uh, an optimized shape for both aero and, and structures like we had been doing for the frame set but also um, for ergonomics so you can grip the, uh, the tops nicely and um, since the air since the handlebar is perpendicular to the frame you also have to change the angles in, in the optimization so that's a subtle change there uh, and then the final thing was uh, like John was talking about with the constant compensation triangles we really try to max out a lot of those um, compensation triangles and uh, you can see that really clearly on the bottom bracket area um, there's a we call it the bottom bracket shelf so just a really beefy bottom bracket um, which is it's nice for stiffness but for aerodynamics, uh, bringing that top of the bottom bracket area right up to the bottom of a seat tube bottle, because um, we optimized all this around bottles, um, but also measured the performance without bottles. Um, but if you have a seat tube bottle, that bottom bracket shelf helps direct the airflow nicely around it and reduces the system drag if you're running bottles. So a quick question. Now, you mentioned the, the cockpit, and I'm curious about that, because you know, a lot. Some of the uh, the aerodynamic gains come from there, and that's not surprising because it's the leading edge of the bike, really. Um, now, I have a couple questions. One, um, you know, first of all, is it adjustable? Um, can you know, because that was one of the things that the Madone had going for it at one point was there was an adjustable cockpit. Uh, and two, how do the riders' hands affect uh, the the aerodynamic gains from the cockpit? So the cockpit, uh, I think the cockpit was adjustable maybe on the twenty sixteen Madone. Um, and then the, on the the 2019 or the Gen 6, I don't think it was adjustable. Uh, and so for the sake of simplicity, kind of like we were saying with the IsoFlow, we um, opted out of um, an adjustable cockpit because it's going to add weight and complexity, kind of the antithesis of what we're looking at for this design. Um, but the the big change for this cockpit is uh, using that treadmill, uh, the Trek Performance Research Lab. Um, we we try to design uh, a new drop shape and flare on this bar. So on this bar, uh, the if you are holding your bar width constant, your your nominal bar width, maybe if you're a 42, um, on the old bar, your, your shifters would be at roughly 42 centimeters apart. On the new bar, the shifters will move uh, three centimeters inboard. So now your shifters are 39 centimeters uh, apart, where, whereas your drops are flared out to stay at that 42 centimeters. And we did that, and also the drop shape is a little different um, to make it a little bit more comfortable to spend time in the drops and a little bit shorter reach there. Um, and that was a big ergonomic study that we did that um, wasn't super involved in, um, but uh, the aerodynamic impact I was uh, where if you move those shifters three centimeters closer, uh, your arms are moving uh, three centimeters closer together, and that has a really big impact, uh, a surprising impact on aerodynamics. Um, where if you're keeping your bar size the same and your arms move three centimeters in, that's roughly another nine and a half watts. Um, and we wanted to, you know, be clear and, and, and break that out for people because you know not everybody's going to um, want to move their their hands in. But if you if you do, we wanted to show those results that, I mean, if you if you keep your bar size the same where you really want that, um, those wider positions is, is in the drops where you want that uh, control and that power when you're doing a sprint or something like that. But um, narrower is, is better for a lot of people um, uh, on the hoods. 
And, and one of the things I was told years and years ago, and I don't know, you, you can tell me if this is true or not uh, as an aerodynamicist, um, you know, round tube shapes are, are the enemy when it comes to aerodynamics. And your, your, your biceps and your, your forearms are basically round tube shapes. So the more you can, you know, uh, get those out of the wind, the more gains you will get. And so this seems like, in, in, to my mind, it seems like this is industrial design that's really basically forcing the aerodynamic drag of the body to be eliminated. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, that's that's where we've been going with uh, with our design, is, is including the rider in the simulations from the very beginning, because you know, the rider is such a big part of the drag. So anything we can do, whether that's the frame shaping and isoflow, or whether it's accommodating a more aerodynamic position with these bars, um, that's kind of where we're going. And yeah, you, you bring up the circle shape, that's that's huge. And that's why you see all sort of wacky skin suit designs with textures and, and things like that on the Peloton. Mm-hmm. So all told, I mean, this is a pretty holistic approach to both comfort and, and aerodynamics. If somebody throws a leg over this bike, I mean, are they really going to, what are they going to feel that's different from the previous Madone? I mean, you know, am I going to feel myself going faster? Be like, oh yeah, I can see this is definitely giving me six seconds over, you know, whatever, 40 K. What, what is the actual feeling that people are going to notice when they hop on this bike? I think the, so Comfort wise, uh, we measured that it's going to be roughly similar to the ISO speed, the old ISO speed on the stiffest setting. And we were finding that a lot of people were just setting it, a lot of the pros especially, were just setting it to the stiffest setting and, and leaving it be, um, or whatever setting and leaving it be. But that's roughly the, the comfort level that you're going you're gonna to find or the uh, vibration absorption amount. Arrow wise, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, Personally, I probably wouldn't be able to tell uh, the difference because I I don't ride as much as I wish I I, I do I, I would because I've got a toddler and a baby on the way. But I know a lot of people in the office. Uh, we do a ton of ride testing, um, and they can they can tell crazy amounts uh, of just you know riding one bike and then another uh, and trying to do it blind. And um, we also did a lot of testing with the the our pro team, and uh, they we changed the layup many times to uh, accommodate all their comments on these really minute details of the new bike. So I think the majority of riders, you're probably not going to feel anything when you're riding it uh, if you already had an aero bike. Now, if you didn't have an aero bike, I think I, I can even feel a difference between a not aero bike and an aero bike. Um, but a Gen 6 to a Gen 7 Madone, you'd have to be a pretty dialed rider to feel, but you might find yourself getting more more KOMs than normal on the whole, right? I was just going to say, I think I was in the office when Jordan Rosing, our product manager, came back from his first ride with the new Madone, and he let out a pretty big expletive and said, that it was fast. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Jordan, yeah. Uh, <laughs> John, John Russell, before we wrap up, we only have about a minute left here, but I want to talk a little bit about the simplicity aspect of, of uh, the ISO flow versus the ISO speed decoupler. You know, you mentioned that it's a simpler system, you're reducing complexity. What does that mean from a manufacturing standpoint and from, you know, your, your perspective as an industrial designer bringing this product to market? What exactly got simplified? Well, simply the number of parts is way simpler. Um, and then as an assembly, there's nothing to really design around. Each size can be completely unique geometry compared to the other, um, which from um, a design standpoint, is really gives you a lot of freedom. If 
a smaller size needs to be a little more compliant, you can shape it such in such a way that it is. Or um, if it needs to be molded slightly differently, it can be. Um, and then, yeah, you're bladder molding the entire shape. So it's um, a really optimized structure through there. Um, and then simply from an aesthetic standpoint, yeah, you're, you're not constrained to any kind of hard geometry. So it's really, it opens up a lot of opportunities. Does it make it easier for you to make the uh, aerodynamic data and the comfort um, aspects more consistent across the size? Or was it more, was it easier to do it with the more complex system of ISO speed? That's a good question. Uh, John, do you have a, yes, a better answer one. than what I'm thinking of? <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think it would have too big of a, an effect. I think it, we'd kind of see the same thing if we're, if we're looking across sizes, but, um, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what John Russell is going to say now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so we, we designed the 2019 Madone with that top tube ISO speed specifically to solve the problem of how you get compliance across various sizes that do have inherently different flexible or flex properties. Um, but we definitely keep that in mind when we're designing a non ISO speed bike, you know, and with this new ISO flow on smaller sizes, we are still able to optimize around that, those parameters. There's a, I'm going to leave on a high note while I've, I asked my good question that stumped you both. <laughs> but if you're listening and you want to learn more about the new Madone, just head over to trekbikes.com. There's tons and tons of good information there. Uh, and if you have questions about it, you can always reach out to me uh, and I'm happy to pester both Johns or anybody else at Trek, really. I, I'm very good at pestering people. Uh, so you can reach out to me on Twitter at SlowGuyFastRide or on Instagram at SlowGuyOnTheFastRide. Uh, and I will happily pass your questions along uh, to the Johns and to everybody else at Trek uh, to get the answers for you. John and John, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. This is great. And, uh, of course, you can always uh, reach out at Rulor Magazine on various social media as well if you have questions. And we'd love to hear from you. What topics do you want us to cover here on the Ruler Magazine Tech Podcast? I am always happy to have you do my work for me, so please do send your uh, topic suggestions to me. Uh, thank you guys again for, for chatting today, and thank you all for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Ruler Magazine Tech Podcast. 